Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio, Heart Health Radio, oh, 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 hearthealthradio.com, Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. Oh, we got a lot of things on the show today. This is Heart Health Radio. Dave Alexander is my name. This is Dr. Franklin Weefald. Hello. We have so much stuff to talk about, including whether or not it is safe to cuddle your dog. I, I don't understand it. I do understand, thankfully, because I've been listening to most of these shows, not all, but most of these shows, what a cytokine storm is. And apparently that's now in the news again related to COVID. Also, and, and yes. a new treatment that actually I never thought of. Isn't that amazing? That you didn't think of it? Well, yeah. yeah nowadays kind of. you're all learning about the things that we talked about six weeks ago. Yeah. Now I've learned something we're going to talk about today that just blew me away. Blew well, me away. That's good. Also, two hairstylists did 140, what do you call them, patrons. Of a hair salon. Did heads. their hair. They did. They always call them heads. 140 heads. They did 140 heads. Guess, and they were both. Infected. Infected with COVID-19. And, and they yes. were symptomatic. Really? They yes. had sniffles they, and they everything? They had the and, sniffles, the sore throats, the body aches, the fevers. That's terrible. And they did 140. But we got good news about what happened. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll talk about that. We're also going to hear from uh, a couple of different people on today's show. We've got uh, uh, Dr. Renee Watson, who's going to join us in just the next couple of moments. We're also going to talk with Rose Hoban of North Carolina Health News, and that's about a half an hour from now. Uh, let's talk about this story that says, don't cuddle your dog. Is that out of the U.K.? Uh, no, it's in the United States. And it's, uh, you know, I'm, I, I guess I'm getting criticized for um, hammering the liberals, so I won't even tell you what uh, newspaper it is, but you can imagine and now it says that you shouldn't let your dog in your bed. You shouldn't even touch your dog. You shouldn't cuddle your dog. Yeah. Because the virus can live on the fur. Okay. The fur. All right. And so if you cuddle your dog and then you touch your face, uh-huh. you're going to die. Is it? But if I've been quarantining with my dog and my dog does not go out except when wearing a mask and using that hand lotion stuff. Well, you know, I think what we're going to have to do if we want to obey, you know, the the liberals who are pitching this, we're all going to die, stay at home, don't go to work, is get a bubble suit. Now, at PetSmart, you can buy a bubble suit. And put your dog in it. And it's got air conditioning. It's got everything. And, and it's only $26,000. Okay. But, <laughs> but you, you'll you have even a less chance of dying from COVID but if you, you put your dog in a bubble suit. But you have huge dogs. You would have to pay the well, triple X price. As a formerly triple X guy, oh, yeah. I'm going to tell you right now, you pay extra. Well, you my, do pay my extra. dogs, in case you don't know, are Newfoundlands. Yeah. And those are Canadian water rescue dogs. They they are 180 pounds, real long hair, yeah. and they love strangers. So this is another COVID thing. Yeah. You know, I, I've had them in, in uh, what are those <laughs> called? Boot camps for dogs. Sure. I had the dog whispers come by trying to get them to not do their instinctual 
running up to people and wanting to love them. Yeah. Now, they bred these dogs to fall in love with strangers, so they'd want to jump into the icy ocean to save one. Yeah. And, you know, the whole point I'm trying to make is is that we got to live. We do. I mean, we've been cooped up four months. It doesn't mean you don't wear a mask when you can't social distance. I do. Right. And I bought – now we can buy them now. You can buy an N95. And I'm going to tell you, if you're a mask-wearing person – Yeah. A regular cloth mask does not protect you. We've said this before, but people still don't get it. A regular cloth mask is to protect them from you. If you want to protect yourself, and I would in a grocery store, I mean, especially when you see what I see in a grocery store, uh, I'm wearing my N95 now, and that's when I can't social distance. It is no longer a social crime to wear the N95 mask. Right, because they're available. They're available now, and so go ahead that, and buy them. Yeah, all that stuff about how there wasn't enough PPP or PPE, mm-hmm. um, I think there was some truth to that. Yeah. But, you know, there there were enough to go around after a month. So now they're opening them up to the general public. You're going to pay. Right. Um, the cheapest ones are about 10 bucks a, a hit. Really? But. You can reuse them, and you know the best way to reuse them now? No. Is you turn on your oven to 180 degrees, mm-hmm. put it in there for 20 minutes, and the virus has this coating that melts, yeah. and you will uh, perfectly be uh, sterilized in terms of your mask right. if you do that. Don't put it in the microwave. That's been shown to break down the fibers. Don't spray bleach on it because that breaks down the fibers. Right. Don't steam it. Because that breaks down the fiber. Okay. Dry heat in the oven, ten minute, no, 20 minutes at 185 degrees. Now, you can also put a Pop-Tart in there at the same time. <laughs> and, you know, you won't be able to wear your mask eating the Pop-Tart. No, no, and no. And if your dog has rubbed his fur on the Pop-Tart, you just might as well throw your dog and your Pop-Tart away. <laughs> you know? right, talk to me about the hairstylist. Okay, so this is actually good news in the sense that the masks that – we wear um, to prevent them, I mean, you giving it to them, yeah. the cloth masks, worked in this situation. So two hairstylists came to work because they were broke and needed to work. Um, they were not good citizens and that they were symptomatic. They had low-grade fevers. Oh they had the symptoms of COVID. Sure. And they worked on 140 heads. Now, the good news is after two and a half weeks, not a single patron or haircut getter, yeah. receiver, has gotten sick. And so, uh, you know, that's a good thing. And I, I know that people are still worried and they're hearing all this stuff. But let me tell you, just think about something here. Hmm. Don't I, – I think I'm going to say this now. Don't believe any of the mainstream press when they say anything about the virus anymore mm-hmm. uh, because they're lying. And they're lying for a purpose. And the purpose is to get Joe Biden elected because mm. they want the economy to crash. And this is the number one reason why you don't want to believe the press, is that you remember uh, Lake of the Ozarks, Memorial Day. I do remember that, yes. And they all said, look at these awful people. They are going to kill everyone. They're going to take it home to their grandma. Well, guess what? These thousands of people gathered, and they even found one who had COVID afterwards. Sure. It's not happening. They're not all getting sick. It was not a hot spot. Yeah. And so – Guess again about these riots and these – there were peaceful protests and there were riots. Mm-hmm. And not only did they encourage the peaceful protests, they encouraged the riots. 
I mean, was it Chris Cuomo said? Who said that a protest has to be peaceful? Well, it's called the United States Constitution. You know, you can't prevent a protest when it's in the Constitution says peaceable. Oddly enough, I have to be peaceable just coming here. Yeah. Right? I need to maintain. Otherwise, there's something called, uh, oh, gosh, they can charge me with, uh, you it's know, not a all sorts of, of things. Storm. It's, it's an anger storm. Right. They can charge it, me with disturbing yeah, the peace disturbing if the I'm peace. not peaceful. Right. Well, and so now what are they saying? Okay, they said, oh, you know, the, the protesters and the rioters, they, they should have gone out and done that. It was really important to do that. Right. Well, now, President Trump, and, you know, you may not love him. There's a lot of things I don't love about him, but he's going to have a rally. Yeah. And that should be shut down. They're mm-hmm. going to kill everybody in the rally. So, and they're not even talking about the Lake of the Ozarks thing. They're not even saying, hey, we were wrong. Nobody got sick in the Lake of the Ozarks. Right. You know, there's not 40,000 ventilators needed anymore in the Lake yeah. of the Ozarks. Yeah. And so what I'm saying is you got to get your information. Unfortunately, it's hard to get it. And I'm not saying I've got all the right information. I've been wrong, dead wrong. I said there were only going to be 10,000 cases total mm. or 20,000 cases. And that was just, I mean, by an order of magnitude. Let's talk to Dr. Watson. Uh, Dr. Watson is with, um, well, actually, I Johnson don't know. Family Care. Johnson Family she Care. She is what we call a solo practitioner, as I am. And she's Dr. Wonderful. Watson, welcome to the show. How are you today? Hi, good morning. Doing fine. Thank you. Good. And I, uh, uh, this should be full disclosure. Renee is my doctor. Oh, yes. I didn't know and this. And so, you know, the reason why I picked her, you know, I'm pretty picky, is that she's one of the best uh, family doctors that I know. Yeah. She's awesome. Renee... You know, you had uh, a thriving practice. What happened when the COVID thing hit to your practice? Uh, what happened was we sort of stopped stealing the water, uncertain how to proceed, a lot of uncertainty. Uh, and people were uh, didn't know whether to get out. We didn't know whether to have people come in. We didn't know what our uh, – we knew what our responsibility was. Yeah. My responsibility is still to look after the people of Johnston County, right. Right. but uh, didn't know what the risks were bringing the people into the office and uh, further exposing other patients that were well. Yeah. Did you? Are you seeing a lot of people now coming in sick because they ignored, or no, I'm sorry, they couldn't come to the office and they were afraid to get, of getting COVID? We have seen some things that... Um, could have been handled sooner, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm seeing a lot of that, and I know that we had uh, uh, Dr. Milano and uh, Dr. Bolton, cardiac surgeons, on the last two weeks, and they're seeing a lot of really sick people who did not get medical care. Well, let's talk about the impact on your practice. I mean, I know that I lost about 40% of my income um, during that uh, two-month period, and it was hard. I mean, I sat there contemplating having to lay off my staff. Now, Luckily, the United States government came through for me, and I got a paycheck, paycheck protection plan thing. Mm-hmm. And also, Medicare came through, and I got 6.1% bonus, all given at one time, yeah. based on how much I collected from Medicare last year. And it helped me. Did it help you, Renee, to, to get those things? Well, certainly it helped. Um, I think the frustration of trying to get through the Paycheck Protection Program is just like any other small business in the country. We were a little frustrated with that process and didn't get through in the first round. And uh, I talked with you, uh, yeah. we talked Frank about that. We didn't get through it. But um, 
when it did come through, it was helpful because I felt like I had a responsibility for my employees. That's what I did too. And keep them uh, in uh, doing their job. But the the numbers certainly fell off. My numbers fell off uh, well below um, 40% of what I was doing, 35 to 40% of what I was doing. I want to ask both of you your suggestions for people who are now in a situation where maybe they've, you know, it's time. Nobody got a vaccination during this whole period of time. Right. Nobody had even just their doctor listen to them breathe or listen to the heart. Uh, is it time to come back and are, is your practice safe? In my practice, I'll go first if, that's, if you're directing it towards Yes. In, in my practice. We trans, um, just kind of uh, transformed into telehealth, but we never closed our, well, I, well, I say we did close our doors. We never closed our practice to patients. During this time, I have had patients who have had head traumas that I have uh, done a home visit in full gear PPE and, uh, and uh, sewed up lacerations. I've had people come to my back door that I've, uh, they didn't go to the ER as uh, Frank was just saying, they kind of would where they normally would direct to the ER. They've called me, and I've become an ER uh, de facto at my back door doing drive-through medicine. So, wow. I, for the majority of the practice, a lot of them are all telehealth. But if someone says I have a skin lesion, I have a tick bite, I don't know what this is, I've rolled my ankle. Uh, they have my office. I'm fortunate enough. You can drive around to the back. I have a PPE station and an assistant. We gown up, gear up, glove up, and they come to the back door and we see them. I get them to stand up if they can, walk to the around in the very back area, semi-private. Yeah. Uh, and it's worked well for me. Yeah. Uh, but yes, the good majority of people, I'm not listening to their hearts and lungs, of course, via telehealth and so some things there's a potential always for a new afib or something like that to be missed and i'm certain i have by not having that uh one-on-one of seeing people well listen i we'd love to talk to you some more we have time constraints but i just want to tell everybody that um me choosing her as my physician Mm -hmm. tells you something because uh, i have nothing but the utmost respect for Dr. Renee Watson. Thank you so much for being on the show. Um, I love you, and we'll uh, see you soon. Frank, thank you. You know that respect is mutual, goes both ways for Dr. Weepod. He looks after me and my family, and we appreciate it very much. Thank you all. All right. Thank you both. The, um, the shame segment coming up. Who has been fibbing to you over the last week? We'll let you know. Also, we'll talk more about something called monoclonal antibodies and why why should we care about them. Also, taking your phone calls at 919-860-9783 on Heart Health Radio. Our telephone number at Heart Health Radio is 919-860-9783. Get better, stay healthy. And in this segment especially, spot medical misinformation. Who's been misleading us this week? I'm going to say it. I'm going to say his name. Ricardo Alonso Zaldivar. He's a writer for the Associated Press. And here's his headline. Trump administration revokes health care protections for transgender people. Now, what does that make you think of? It means 
to my mind, reading that headline, and most people just read headlines in the first couple of sentences, yes. it sounds like the Trump administration has just gotten rid of health care for transgenders. Right. Now, I know several transgender people. They're wonderful people. I know several, uh, more than several, you know, LGBTQ2T. Did I get it right? And, no, you didn't, but that's, oh, okay. that's okay. Don't worry about it. I don't know why I can't remember that. Yeah, that. But the point that, that the Trump administration <laughs> has done is say, yes, anybody can have their gender altered. Yes, you can do this. Yes, you can do that. But you can't force a doctor or a hospital to do it for you. You can't sue them if they refuse. Now, something people don't realize, I as a physician can refuse to treat you. I don't have to treat you. Okay. I mean, you can't make somebody treat you. Well, what the Obama regulations had said before was if you show up to a Catholic hospital and you know how Catholics believe, not mm-hmm. they don't believe in birth control, they don't believe in, um, in hysterectomies Let's just unless say, it's if a medical emergency. If you're LGBTQ, they're not on your team. They are not required now okay. to treat you. Okay. Do you remember the the, the LGBTQT whatever? Um, I'm sorry, and I love you guys. I'm I'm sorry. I can't remember. <laughs> I'm not even going to help you. Yeah, you me. <laughs> but L- you know, they would want to go in and buy a cupcake, or no, no, make a wedding cake. Make a wedding cake. Right. And a religious person would say, "I'm sorry, it's against my religion to do so." They would sue them right. and put them out of business. Sure. Where down the street was another. Uh, bakery who would gladly do it for them. Sure. Well, what they're saying now is if you show up to a Catholic hospital and demand a hysterectomy, then they don't want to do it. They don't have to do it. That's all they're saying. Yeah. And, you know, there are plenty of non-Catholic hospitals who will do that for you. Right. You have a choice. Right. And and so if you read this headline, you think, what mean doctors? If you come to my office and I don't like you, and I'm not, I've never turned anybody away mm-hmm. based on race, sex, religion, anything – and I won't turn somebody away. Now, I have let people go from my practice because they were disruptive to the practice, yelling and screaming. There are rules about that. You give them 30 days. You turn over their records. You'll answer emergency calls for 30 days. You provide them with the names of other doctors. Hmm. But all they're saying is if you want to go to a Catholic hospital and insist that they give you a hysterectomy when they don't want to, you can't sue them if they turn you down. That's all that says. The rest of the health care thing the rest of sniffles, colds, got all this trouble. That's outside this whole LGBTQ plus. Right. It's not like the president has decided that people who are gay or lesbian or transgender cannot have health care. Right. And the headline implies, or right. if you read it the wrong way, it implies they're getting rid of health care for LGBTQ. You got it right. The Q comes after the T. Okay. David and Raleigh, thank you very much for calling. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing fine. Good. What's up? I, I just wanted to ask uh, Dr. Weefall. You know, I keep seeing this uh, on TV, and I wonder about it. This liposine, take this, you can lose uh, four pant sizes and all that. Yeah. You know, from Rodney Pete and his wife, testimonial. Have you seen it, Dr. Weefall? I have, and I'm going to say something. I'm unprepared because I haven't figured out what liposine really is. Yeah, but I will say, yeah, I will say this in general. Um, I have never seen a study, a double-blind, randomized, or whatever kind of study, mm-hmm. 
that shows that these medicines work. Now, do I believe that weight loss medicines have a large place in our armamentarium against the uh, pandemic of obesity? Yes, I do. Yeah. Um, I think there is a placebo effect to a lot of these medicines. What's the one? Garbinigia, Cambogia, that uh, Dr. Oz always uh, uh, promotes. Okay. I think there might be what we call a placebo effect that if you're going to take this medicine, then you start taking your diet seriously and you start doing those things and you think the medicine's going to work. I don't know. I know that there are testimonials and it might work, but the companies that sell them over the counter don't make enough money to spend a billion dollars, which is what it costs now, a billion dollars to get a drug approved by the FDA for whatever it says. Now, there are drugs that I use. I use three medications for weight loss, and they work. Uh, Fentramine, yeah. which is an anorectic. It makes you not hungry. Okay. Uh, topiramate, which is a seizure drug, but the side effect is anorexia. In fact, it was great for kids who had epilepsy, but they had to stop using it in some of those kids because they got too skinny. Oh, my. And then, this is off-label. Uh, it's not approved. Uh, there is a medicine called Sixenda, which is the same medicine. It's a GLP-1 agonist, which is what they mean is it makes your insulin work well. And that's the medicine called Trulicity. And there are three other types. And Sixenda is the same medicine. And it corrects insulin resistance, which is, I think, there's one on the market now that um, talks about reducing insulin resistance, over-the-counter weight loss thing. And I've got one uh, employee, uh, Melissa Chambers, who's lost 110 pounds uh, under my medical supervision for weight loss in one year. And so there are diet pills, quote unquote, that work. All diet pills are not bad. Now, here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to look up liposine. I'm going to read all about it. And next week, if you listen, I'm going to tell you what I think about it. But I'm going to be honest when I don't know. And I don't know anything about that particular one. All right, Dave. Yeah, David, thank you. God bless. Thank you. The the other thing, um, I gave myself a shot today of Ozempic. Yeah, Ozempic. It, I'll give you the three that are on the market. Ozempic. Well, yeah, yeah, we're closing yeah, okay. in on news Ozempic, time. We'll talk about that. Yeah, and then the last one is by Durian. There we go. All right, thank you. News is coming up in just a moment. You can get better, stay healthy, spot medical misinformation, and enjoy an, an hour You know, here on the radio on WPTF. Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. You know, you can listen to the Heart Health Radio podcast on Apple Podcasts or go to WPTF.com and link through on the podcast page. I'm Dave Alexander. He is Dr. Franklin Weefold. And with us is Rose Hoban of North Carolina Health News. Hi, Rose. Hi. Hi, fellas. How are you today? Good. Well, I'm looking at the North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services dashboard, and uh, nothing looks down. Uh, everything looks up, doesn't Wait a it? The deaths yeah, are not going up. Yeah. Rose, the no, deaths that's, that's, are not going up, are they? Um, they are. There are. They are. Um, there have been more deaths, um, and, and the, the number of deaths kind of, it, it creeps up a little bit, a little bit. I, I think it's been like... Um, I'm just, I'm, I've got like three pages open. <laughs> That's fine. And, don't, um, don't worry. We, we understand. Um, but it's been creeping up steadily. It's definitely creeping up steadily. 
But on your website, you've got troubling trends as one of the headlines. Uh, And then, of course, you've covered the Ace Speedway situation completely. Yeah. Um, that that this Alamance County Speedway went ahead and, and uh, opened up, and then they were closed down by the state. Have they ex- have they gotten to the end of their rope in terms of places to take this uh, uh, legally? Very well, might be. I think there's a judge uh, who yesterday was like, "Yeah, no." Um, so <laughs> you know that the the judge kind of. But it's a temporary injunction, if I'm not mistaken. Right. So there will be a further flesh out of this in court. But, you know, when you have these emergency court um, petitions, they have a judge do a review, and the two sides go in and they make their arguments, and the judge makes a preliminary ruling. So there is a preliminary injunction that's in place on them. Now, Dr. Weefold has an idea about one statistic that's not quite being broken out the way he'd like to see yeah, it. I, I don't know if you I would really like to find out because I'm not seeing this takeoff. You know, I have six thousand patients in Johnson County. I've not had a single case. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not hearing about cases in Johnson County, you'd think it's a poor county. It has a high number of minorities uh people. And if you look at what's coming out in the mainstream press about how it's coming back and we're all going to die, a lot of these cases of hospitalizations are not actually COVID-related hospitalizations, but they're people hospitalized who wind up testing positive for COVID. And then a lot of these deaths are people who died of, say, a heart attack but tested positive for COVID. So I would really like to know what the impact of greater testing is really having on these statistics. Because I'm I'm a busy doctor. I'm not seeing this. Right. Well, you know, Dr. Weefold, one of the things that they've noted is that COVID, it turns, it seems like COVID is as much a vascular disease as it is a pulmonary disease. Right. You have all these folks who are coming up with this weird clotting. Um, sure, and and, and that's probably been so, why they yeah probably why they can't get some people off of ventilators or having diffuse pulmonary emboli. Exactly, but exactly. I, I just need we need to break this down because there's a lot of controversy. And what's the truth? Are we seeing these right. increased well, numbers because of increased testing, or are people really dying of coronavirus? Now, if you look at New York City, it's just not happening. I mean, it's it's better. And the ICUs have emptied uh, out, and the COVID units have shut down. So, I mean, is this nursing home? My friend who is in New York, and she said that everyone there, and I mean everyone, wears a mask. Everyone. They're also only in their phase two. So she's a small business owner, and um, she has not yet been able to fully reopen. Um, She was. I was talking to her as I was waiting to get on the phone with you and she was saying that, that they were having customers come in on an appointment basis today. And she, so she was in the shop and she was waiting for them yeah. and that, you know, they're investing in HEPA filters in the shop. So they're taking it very seriously, I think because they really had such a horrible time there. Well, and if you, but you know, Rose, if you look at, the Lake of the Ozarks, there were, what, ten and 11,000 people all crowded together. It's not happened. They haven't gotten sick. 
So I really want to know, and I, I think it's important for the country to know, what is the effect, the real effect, of just increased testing in terms of well, creating these numbers? Well, I think part numbers? of the effect of increased testing is you find more people, obviously. And they're asymptomatic, and they're not saying how many are asymptomatic. These cases. Uh, or, or pre-symptomatic. I think the the thing that the WHO did last week that they talked about asymptomatic, there's not a lot of asymptomatic, and I think the thing they probably misspoke on saying is that a lot of folks are pre-symptomatic, right? Because it can take three to seven days to manifest symptoms. I think if you look at the Latino population, it's very interesting because in North Carolina, the Latino population makes up fully 30, they're they're 10% of the population. They've made up 30% of the cases, and they're only 7% of the deaths. And I asked um, the lead pulmonologist at UNC about that, and he said, well, we saw a lot of Latino patients in here in our ICU, but they they tended to be younger, Mm -hmm. and they walked in with more reserve, more physical reserve. So those younger people, they get it, they get sick, but they, they don't die. Yeah. Right. But the problem is with the with those Latino families is that they frequently live in multi generational households. And so he said that the, the, the Latinos that he saw who came in who got really sick were part of those households and they tended to be the older members of those households who had some pre existing conditions. Right. Well what I'm gonna do this week, I'm gonna have some time, is I'm gonna find out. Okay. Yeah. How many of these people that we say are getting tested and positive and therefore our cases are going up versus who are really clinically symptomatic? And how many of these hospitalizations are really COVID hospitalizations and not hospitalizations of people who also test positive? Because I think we need to know um, and we Mm -hmm. need to know what is what to do. Because we're not closing down again, Rose. (laughs) We're not doing it. I mean, I think the I think the governor made that pretty clear that that. He definitely whiffed on that question. Yeah. <laughs> like, mm, no. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think, frankly, I don't think it's politically possible. I hope um, not. <laughs> but, you know, you could look at a place like Arizona where Banner Health, which is the largest system in the state, is now implementing its emergency surge plan. But remember, they only have a couple hundred cases. I mean, a couple hundred deaths even. So when you talk about, oh, my God, the deaths are up 20%. The total numbers are still extremely small. Yeah. So, I mean, we need to just be careful on what we're saying because one, you know, one uh, meatpacking plant in Arizona getting infected could increase the number of cases by 30%. Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. let's be careful about this because I'm not necessarily a skeptic, but. You know, as someone who takes care of 6,000 elderly patients in Johnson County and hasn't seen a single case, and, you know, you understand that in Johnson County, the risk of getting infected is one in 600. So mm-hmm. I, I just I just need to know the truth, and I think that we're not being told the truth, um, especially because of the political ramifications of being told the truth. Rose, I'm going to let you go. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. All right. We've got the website, North Carolina Health News, or she does, NorthCarolinaHealthNews.org, and there's also a donate button. 
you feel like their reporting is worthwhile to you, click that. I think it's a great website. I think I think Rose is a fantastic reporter. Yeah. And if anybody can find out this information about about what I'm talking about, she can. You are a skeptic, by the way, but that you're a scientist. Because, okay, what have they told us? They told us in February we're all going to die. Yeah. They told us in March they needed 40,000 ventilators or everybody in New York City was going to die. They didn't need any ventilators. Yeah. They told us that uh, uh, nurses were wearing trash bags in New York City because right. they had no PPE. Right. That was a picture from Italy. They told us all this stuff. Yeah. They told us it's okay for the protesters to get out there and riot because they had to do it. Yeah. And now President Trump wants to have a rally. You can't do that. You're going to get everybody infected and they're all going to die. So I don't believe anything the mainstream press says anywhere. Yeah. Rose is not the mainstream press. No, she's going to dig. honest. Yeah. Let's find out the answers. Dennis and Garner is with us. Before we pick up with Dennis, I just want to tell you that the one victim of this whole COVID, of course, the people who died, but experts. I'm not going to trust experts. In fact, I'm going to judge people by how little they know. How about judging them by whether their predictions were correct? Right. And you Did, want to know something? What's that? Then we won't believe anybody. We won't believe if anybody. I don't know anybody in this situation with this virus and this pandemic yes. who was right. Dennis, thank you for joining us. How you doing today? I'm doing good. How you feeling? Uh, I've been better. i got a little case to get. I'm trying to recover from the first time in my life, but uh, I'm, I'm getting better. Yeah, good. Well, what's uh, your question for the doctor? I have two areas of concern or questions I'd like to hear his comment on. One is uh, it's my understanding that there's uh, legislation being considered at the North Carolina General Assembly to allow COVID patients in the hospital to have a, a visitor, a family member. Sure. Uh, I can't understand. That's that's the most disgraceful thing I can think of during this, this whole virus thing is, is people dying by themselves. So are you supporting that? Absolutely. I okay. can't, can't understand how it's, was it against the law to not allow somebody to come in to begin with, with, of course, with precautions, necessary precautions to isolate them and so forth. To be clear, Dennis, Dennis supports the piece of legislation that would say that if someone is sick and maybe even perhaps dying of COVID, that they could at least have a visitor. They have to have it. Let me, let me, let me just say, I'm going to back up and say, I think that anybody who's in the hospital with COVID should be able to have a visitor. Um, if you want to know how people get better, the decreasing anxiety reduces the amount of stress hormone in your body. Mm-hmm. And if you can't see your daughter... If you can't see your mm-hmm. your father right. and have that reassurance, even if it's just looking in their eyes, you're going to get sicker or you're going to have a hard time getting better. There is a way to have a visitor in the room, even mm-hmm. if it's once a day, yeah. that is safe. And all of these overreactions – uh, and this is an overreaction. Now, do I think 10 people should crowd around the bed like we normally do when mm-hmm. somebody is sick? No. But I agree. I think it's been a big mistake not to emphasize the emotional and psychiatric needs of these patients and and family members yeah. and visitors can be restricted but can be done. Dennis, what else is on your mind? Okay, uh, the other thing is I understand that there's uh, three supposedly studies that have concluded that are, are saying that hydroxychloroquine is no good. 
uh, major studies, they call it. It makes me so angry to read the headline. I don't even want to read it. But I was just wondering if you had an opinion. Yeah, we uh, talked about this last week. And there was a study that was published in the Journal of Boyle Therapy, otherwise the Lancet, <laughs> that was actually faked. And they would right. drew that. Now, the last study that came out made a conclusion that hydroxychloroquine wasn't effective. Now, that may be the case, but when you look at the numbers, hydroxychloroquine reduced, I mean, made 10%, uh, only 10% of people, uh, let me back up, hydroxychloroquine group in the study, 10% got worse. The placebo group, 15% got worse. Now, you may think, wow, those numbers are fantastic. They are in my mind. The problem was the study wasn't big enough. There's a statistical thing called chance. And so they say, well, wait a minute. We didn't have enough people to say that that 50% reduction by giving hydroxychloroquine, and that's an amazing thing. That was better than remdesivir. But there's something called the p-value, and if you don't have a high enough power of the study, then there is a percentage chance that those numbers just came out like flipping dice, um, and that's called a random occurrence. But the p-value that we all accept is one out of 20 chance of being a random occurrence. This one was a three to four out of chance, 20, being a random occurrence. Mm -hmm. So what they should have said in my mind is that there was evidence that it was highly effective, but we didn't have enough patients to be sure in the study. That's how I would interpret that study. Dennis, thank you for your phone call. I really do appreciate it. I think what he's saying is he doesn't trust those studies. They're politically oriented. And right. the headlines yeah. are definitely politically oriented. And I just want to tell you, since you brought it up, my p-value is still two, three times a night. Uh, I don't I don't know why. I'm uh, down maybe, to one. We'll talk about that I'm in the down middle to of one. next break. Nine one nine for that. Nine one nine eight six zero nine seven eight three is our telephone number. On Heart Health Radio. Well, you know you make me wanna kick my heels up and down. This is the Heart Health Radio Network, where you get better, stay healthy, and spot medical misinformation. Who are we shouting out this week, Doctor Weefold? Well, there's a favorite patient of mine, Paul Russell, and yep. uh, I know he's listening. Maybe not be listening live, but he mm-hmm. listens. And I just wanted, I saw him in the office uh, just the other day, and he was happy. Um, but about five days earlier, he was very sad. And he felt like, you know what? And he was like saying, I've been through all this, Dr. Weefald, and I've been through all this mess. I feel terrible. I just want to give up. And Aww. it turned out he had a very easily fixable problem. I put him in the hospital right away, and I didn't realize it until I did the lab test. He was profoundly anemic. So his blood counts had gone down. He had a bleeding ulcer. And as many elderly people do, did not know he had an ulcer, had no pain from it. Yeah. Now, Paul's been through heart stents. He's been on a ventilator for a period of time when he got a bacterial infection from his hips mm-hmm. when he fell off a ladder. Oh, I my. Mean, and he's lost his son a few years ago from uh, a blood clot to the lung after his son had knee surgery. And, I mean – Probably the greatest stress, he, he lost more than losing a child, I think, is probably the greatest stress. But the second greatest stress, he lost his spouse, his wonderful wife. And so I think there's a lot of pressure and heaviness 
upon his life. And I, and, and he looked better when I saw him. His daughter, who's wonderful, was with him. I just want to shout you out, Paul, because, you know, you're the exact person when I say, no matter what happens in mm-hmm. your life, there's a lot to live for. He's got grandkids. He's got kids. He's got me that loves him. I need Paul because when I see Paul wrestle mm-hmm. in the office, I see that I've done some decent work in the world to make people's lives better. And so, Paul, we love you. We need you. I need you in that office. Very good. I want you in that office. We don't want you sick. We just want right. you visiting every now and then. We want you to understand that yeah. there's a lot to live for. And if you get sick again, Paul, you're going to get better. Yeah. You are. That's good. Radiation therapy. Could you imagine? For if, COVID. Yeah. If President Trump had said, let's put them under a radiation beam. Yeah. And maybe heal their lungs. The gamma what rays. Nice gamma rays. Gamma rays. And so, and then the whole point is they would have said unproven therapy. Now, I believe in this situation and using unproven therapies. You know why? Because there's hardly anything proven. <laughs> I mean, think about it. We need 40,000 ventilators. Well, guess what? They're not putting people on ventilators anymore because it made them worse. So many things we don't know anymore. Yeah. Well, these really smart people said the cytokine storm, what is that? The immune cells are activated by the virus to overdo it. They produce all these chemicals called cytokines that cause clotting. They cause the lungs to fill up with fluid. So this guy said, wait a minute. The immune cells have to um, divide and have to grow. Or if they stop growing, they die and they won't produce cytokines anymore. Yeah. So steroids. People were afraid to use steroids now that because they reduced the amount of inflammation. They thought it would hurt the, the immune response to kill the virus. That is now a standard. And these guys said, wait a minute. Why don't, why don't we use radiation like we use in cancer? If we kill the cancer cells and prevent them from dividing, maybe the cancer. And a lot of times it does. Well, they started giving radiation therapy to people's lungs who were not getting better. Now, this is called anecdotal. But like a very high percentage of the ones they took down to the radiation oncology lab and gave them low-dose but definite gamma radiation got better quick quickly. So they need to do a study, I guess. But this is also something, you know, these ARDS, adult respiratory distress syndromes, these cytokine storms, they happen with influenza. They happen with other pneumonias. Yeah. So the question becomes, not only may this be good, and I'm saying may be good, don't ask your doctor to send you to radiation oncology and have your lungs prophylactically beamed no. with radiation. No. But we're learning so much that may be applicable to other illnesses. Now, we got the flu coming up. Yeah. And remember, there are patients who get influenza who get just as sick and die as those from COVID. It's a common final pathway, overstimulation of your immune system, cytokine or immune communicator uh, storm, and lungs fill up with fluid, lungs clot off, and you die. So maybe, just maybe, a lot of these medicines we've talked about and techniques we've talked about are going to be applicable in other illnesses. There is a new tool being used in the ER. It used to be that ultrasound was, you know, they had to roll it in with a cart. Yeah, or, big And cart. I'm sure you had to go somewhere, yeah. like going back into the you know, the early days. Sure. Now it's handheld. Uh, it's, it's better than handheld. You can buy an ultrasound probe that connects to your iPhone. Really? And pretty soon... 
I think with enough, G, you know, the G5 thing, sure, it'll just do it by Bluetooth or some other connection. So there won't be a cord sticking out. Now, what is ultrasound? Ultrasound is a high-pitched uh, sound wave, mm-hmm. and it goes through something like tissue. Yeah, and then the different tissue strengths and and densities cause there to be an echo. So that ultrasound comes back at a and a, and it comes back quicker. Mm-hmm. And changed in its frequency by the different tissues. So I can use an ultrasound and I can look at my heart or somebody else's heart more likely beating in real time. It's an amazing technique. Well, now these ER doctors, and again, this is another example. This, this pandemic has made people think quickly on their feet. And so somebody comes in short of breath. The question is, is it COVID? Is it heart failure? Is it a COPD, a chronic lung infection? There is a particular image on an ultrasound, and you just hold it between the ribs, mm-hmm. and you look at that lung because COVID affects the, 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 the parts of the lung that are near the ribs. And there's a specific pattern. So these ER docs said, hey, let's just, instead of calling in somebody from home and doing an ultrasound, they bought these little handhelds. And stuck them on the chest, and they were able to rapidly diagnose that this patient has a high risk for having COVID yeah. based on that ultrasound. They got the test. They got them treated. And I think Very it's good. a fantastic thing. We've got one minute to hold the Mayo's Clinic's hold feet them. to the fire. Yeah. This should have been a shame. Yeah. What is know? it? Well, they got 23 – no, hundreds of millions of dollars from the – um, paycheck protection, well, not paycheck protection, but the emergency funding yeah. to keep people going. And their budget didn't hit a deficit. Um, they didn't have to dig into their billions of dollars of endowment. And yet, yeah. they still fired 23,000 people. Wow. Or furloughed them, let's say. And, and so, you know, the bottom line is if you're going to talk the talk, yeah. you know, about how you're fighting the pandemic and you're doing everything you can, you need to walk the walk. Now, remember, Renee Watson, who doesn't have right. billions of dollars in an endowment, right. she felt a moral need to keep her staff on board. That's excellent. Just like I did. All right. Thanks to Dr. Renee Watson for being on today's show. Rose Hoban from North Carolina Health News for being on the show. Uh, listen to us at WPTF.com. This is Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is for information purposes only. Before taking any action, consult your doctor.